SUSS Podcast presents a show where industry founders, executives, and leaders from all spheres of society come to share their insights and experiences about the past, present, and future of our world. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Jimmy Wong. In today's episode, we speak with Professor Chong Hee Kit, founding president of the Singapore University of Social Sciences, a registered professional civil engineer, Professor Chong has spent over three decades in the education industry, holding various academic and administrative appointments in building tertiary education institutes and sharing the local educational scene. He has also been actively involved in contributing to the public sector and was a recent National Day Award recipient of the Public Administration Gold Medal. Prof Chong, welcome and thanks for joining us on SUSS podcast today. Hi, Jimmy. I'm glad to be on your show. <laughs> it's been quite a while since I last spoke to you, yes, met yes. you in person. So how have you been? I think we're similar to a lot of SUSS faculty. We're all very busy, not just preparing for new materials, but also to prep classes, to meet uh, Zoom online, uh, teaching demands. Yeah. In fact, there's uh, one course that I've been preparing recently that actually focuses on the future work, which is very much in line with lifelong learning. So that's the reason why when SUSS comms department approached me to be the interviewer, I jumped at it because I too want to know from your insights when it comes to lifelong learning. Because I think most of us here in SUSS know you as a passionate advocator of lifelong learning. So out of curiosity, what have you been learning or reading up so far in 2020? We were talking about learning and reading. I get my news and information from various sources, from newspapers, broadcasts, BBC, I, I listen to quite a lot, magazines. Uh, books, I don't have a lot of time to read books. But in my opinion, it is not just the reading that's important. It is actually reflecting, looking into what you have read and combining information bits together so that it becomes your knowledge. And importantly is to internalize it and then act on it. And so that's what I do every day. And I'm a member of the Lifelong Learning Council. And the main motto for the Lifelong Learning Movement is every day a learning day, which is nice, you know. It's telling people you can learn every day. But for me, it's not just that. It's every moment a learning moment. You see, as I'm talking to you, I'm learning maybe about you. I'm looking at your body movements, your facial expressions, how we connect, right? And those kinds of things are things you learn unconsciously. And we need to get it out to everyone that everyone is learning all the time. It's not about formal classes alone. And if you get them to understand this, they will say, hey, it's true. I've learned this today. I've learned this yesterday. And therefore, when you next say, why don't you tell about what you have learned? Why don't you attend a little class that will deepen what you know? They may be more prepared for it. Interesting. If that's the case, is there any particular area that they should focus on? I mean, right now, because of the COVID pandemic, for example, a lot of people is looking into different skill sets. Yeah. So sometimes when I engage some adult learners, they keep asking me the same question. What should I learn? Then what would be your recommendation? <laughs> There's a utilitarian tone to this. And my view is don't go that way alone. Think about learning as an enjoyable thing which means that you look at what you like to learn. Sometimes it's also what you want to learn which you did not have time to learn. Sometimes it's also learning something that can help you to be a better person, to contribute better to the people around you. 
And of course, that bit about learning in order to advance your career or deepen your skills, that's also important. And for that, I think you really need to look at your interests, what's the environment ahead of you, where jobs are available. And one more thing is know yourself. Get somebody to validate. And once you know, you go on to say, hey, actually, I can make it better. Or what I know I can bring into this kind of job or another kind of job with a little bit more of training. Okay. And that opens up the vista for many careers that you can go on. So if that's the case, is that something similar to what the Education Minister, Mr. Lawrence Wong, said on 25th of September concerning interdisciplinary learning in the university and there's a role for Institute of Higher Learning that we can play in? Let me go back to talk about what is it that people learn to equip themselves if they want to advance to the future into their careers. And there are various competencies that people are talking about and some of these are emotional intelligence, cognitively you know, sensitive and flexible, able to deal with complex problems and so on, working with others. And that will bring us into this realm of interdisciplinary. Now, when we talk about interdisciplinary learning... It's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, so is, also, it, is, it is, it is. You <laughs> Perhaps know, you can help define it for the know, audience. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, okay, let's begin first. Huh? We are all mostly in a single discipline. So that's deepening vertical. When it comes to multidisciplinary, it could mean that, you know, a person will learn another discipline. And it could well be a, a minor, for example or maybe a double degree, or within a curriculum, the person exposed to, to two big facets. For example, a civil engineer might actually be exposed to architectural considerations, or electrical engineering considerations, or mechanical engineering considerations, simply because when you're building something, you really got to have all these parts together to come together. So that's a multidisciplinary. But the problem with multidisciplinary in actually tackling a problem is that each person comes with his own deep knowledge of his own discipline and he'll try to tackle the problem from his own viewpoint. Through his own lens. Without, yes, and without sufficient regard to other professionals who come in to tackle other facets of that problem. And today the problems are very complex and needing a few professionals to work together. And one of the complexities has to do with people. Once you bring in people, it might be a technical problem that could actually be solved very easily, technically. Correct. Not easily. <laughs> I better not upset the technical people, but it's straightforward. Right? So within the context then of interdisciplinary education as well as applied social science here mm. in SUSS, then what is SUSS's role in advocating them? What is okay. our SUSS new strategic outlook then? If that's okay. The case? First, let me just finish off this bit about interdisciplinary. So when you have a problem that is multidimensional, complex, then you need to be able to deal with the whole problem holistically so as to cover as much of the ground as possible. Okay? And so you bring in the different professionals, five or six. And the thing about the interdisciplinary mindset, the kind of training we want to give to our students is that understand that problem is complex, Understand that you are not the only one going to be able to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Understand that there are viewpoints expressed and solutions advanced which are going to make your own solution for your part of your discipline going to be more difficult to achieve. And when you come together, sit together at the table, respect the others and be flexible enough to recognize some of the key things that the others are concerned about. And then when you come together and fit out a solution, it will be for the best. 
That, that's interdisciplinary. And you can find this in various fields. You know, In medicine, it's very clear. Medicine is like that. How often people go into hospital with one problem? Now, depending on what the doctor prescribes, there could be side effects. He could have some other problem, a heart problem, that is agitated by the medication, or he has a procedure, and somehow he discovers something else, or the procedure went on good. So it becomes the body is a very, very complex organism, and interdisciplinary is very applicable here. Isn't interesting. It? A very good and interesting analogy. Yeah. And to me, society is a body, and what you do to one part may actually affect another part. And so if I bring the body concept into a society, social, then we've got that mix, interdisciplinary, looking at various ways in which a complex one can be solved, thinking of society as that kind of body organism that requires us to be thinking about interoperability of solutions, impact across other different parts of society. And so when we bring this together, we are saying don't only just respect the professionals and try to understand the viewpoints from the others in solving a problem, but think of the society that you're trying to solve the problem for, the social sciences bit. The social sciences bit. So when, bit. We, okay. when we marry these two together, it makes it more holistic. So right? on that note, I'm yeah. going to ask you a question which I get a lot when I talk about developing a polymathic mindset in the yeah. future of work, because I see some similarities. As we start broadening that educational you know, framework and uh, to branch out into different disciplines, then are we not training generalists what happens to f- no. the focus on no, no. training specialists? Actually, we want the best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And of course, it's a very hard task because with the students, they come in all mix and sizes and abilities. It may not be very easy to actually achieve that in every student. However, I think it's not really about the knowledge itself. It's about the attitude. It's about the mindset. So we should be specialists in our own right. We need to go deep in the discipline that we have embarked on to learn. But we need to broaden ourselves and understand a little bit more about the world around us, about other disciplines. And most importantly, we must be able to say, I want to hear you. What is your view from your own disciplinary viewpoint? What is your view about issues within that problem? Mm-hmm. And will my solution affect those? And to be able to see the interconnection the interactions between one method and another method coming from two different disciplines. So I would say the student does not need to know deeply what the other discipline is about, but he has to be cognitively flexible. I will want to pick up your viewpoints. I want to respect your viewpoints and let's put it on the table. And it's not my solution or your solution, but it's our solution. So I guess you're focusing on the agility of learning in yes. that aspect. Right? Yes. So if that's the case, let me point you know, the question back to ourselves here yeah. in SUSS. I mean, my speciality is in marketing. I'm a marketing yeah. lecturer. Yeah. So I guess if I put myself in a role as an educator and I'm trying to teach my students interdisciplinary skills, where do I pick up my interdisciplinary yeah. Yeah, skills? Yeah, right. In fact, uh, you're talking about two constituents, the students and the faculty. But there's one more part, which is the curricula. In other words, the faculty come in and he's already given a curriculum. So first of all, the mindset must be from the university viewpoint, we want to have interdisciplinary thinking, a DNA to be put into our students. How do we achieve it? Yes, the faculty, uh, you may not know how to do it, but we can train. We can prime you to thinking in a certain way. 
Marketing is about maybe, for example, marketing a product. Yes. Uh, is the product socially good or not good? Then you've got to be able to talk to somebody who's looking at those. Is the product ergonomically good? Have you got enough UX in there? Which you may not have a hold on, but if it's not good UX, can you think something about it and make a contribution? Can you listen out to the guy and say, your product is like that? Well, I can see that it's good, but not good enough. You could actually do something more. Or maybe it's very good. How can I, as a marketing person, bring this up in such a way that the product will sell more? Interesting. So you begin to tussle with others. In fact, business is quite interdisciplinary. <laughs> you know, you talk about marketing. There's marketing, there's the product, there's the UX, there's the people. So I think faculty over time will be able to catch that. They're smart enough. Okay. Okay. But students, when they come in, they're just willing to learn. They just want to know what is the best thing to have before they go out. And so if they are brought into an interdisciplinary learning from day one, then they will embark on that journey. And by the time they finish with us for after four years, I hope that a DNA will be built. Now, how do we do that as an example? When we have our first year, we obviously expose them to various other disciplines, social and so on. What is society about? How does your discipline contribute and so on? But after that, when we are doing assignments, when we're doing projects together, don't just do, for example, a project involving only the students in marketing. Do it such that you throw a marketing person in, you throw an analytics person in, you throw a social work person in, early childhood education in. They will be out of that in a marketing project, isn't mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. But they will pick up. And your marketing students will also pick up, if you tune the project properly, will also pick up what is the thinking of the other students in a group. Now, so you do that, sometimes you bring them together, and it's not always possible. So when you are getting your marketing students to do their own projects, their own assignments, you got to ask additional questions that will draw in other disciplinary thinking into that particular problem he's solving. On this point, then I'm going to raise a question yeah. that I think a lot of faculty members may be thinking about. Wow, that's a lot of work. Yes. So how do you encourage this organizational culture to embrace this? How do you work at that? There are a few ways. One, I would say that the people driving the university must set the tone for the programs. In other words, if we want to embark on interdisciplinary studies, the management will say, we want and the management will tinker with the curriculum to make it possible. So that could set aside some time or set aside some projects that must have this, for example, or have one of the causes that will be a free elective, <coughs> but which requires very deep interdisciplinary kind of mm -hmm. thing. Also, that's one part. Secondly, I think it's training. The last thing a faculty will want to do is to be asked to do this and doesn't know how to do it and looks not very nice in front of the students. Correct. And also not being <clears throat> able to handle the discourse that will take place among students of different disciplines. Mm. So give them some time to do that, ease in the changes. And then finally, we want to elevate achievements in the students even have competitions that will show up this ability in our students right, right. and recognize the faculty for being able to get the students into that kind of mode to win the competition, for example. Okay. That's recognition. Finally, it might be at appraisal. That's a hard one. Appraisal yeah. to say... <laughs> that becomes very result-oriented, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, faculty were thinking, oh, now you're going to appraise me for that. And the answer is yes. I tell you why I would say yes, but not in a very hard way. It is to say, 
This is the scenario in the future. This is the future of work. This is where our graduates will have to function. And our job is to turn up graduates who will be able to function well. That's our responsibility. If we want to set up a university, if you want to come in as a faculty, you must be oriented that way. It's a student-centric way of thinking. I think the student will also enjoy it because based yeah. on what I share from you, you are suggesting that most of the faculty here to look at applied learning projects. This kind of reminded me on some of the causes that I've thought. We do actually bring in small medium enterprises as companies to sponsor group projects and frame them as competition. The minute you do such a thing, it kind of raises the involvement, yes. not just among the students, but also for the faculty involved. And then suddenly, the project becomes real. It becomes a pro bono consulting project Correct. in which everyone yeah. plays a hand in helping SMEs upskills and upgrade Correct. their business performances. But you see, there's an additional dividend coming out of this. When you mention the SMEs or the companies, our students in the projects will interact with the companies or our graduates will eventually go to the companies. But the companies may not have an interdisciplinary thinking about their own business mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. their products and so on. And so as we bring our students and we educate them and they go out and they bring with them this interdisciplinary thinking, hopefully some of these SMEs, some of the companies will catch and say, yes, we didn't see it from that viewpoint and it will actually better the things we make or the services we provide. And hopefully in the end, what you are doing is you're enlarging the ecosystem of interdisciplinary thinking. Now, let me say something more about interdisciplinary thinking. Some people think, that, okay, that's multidisciplinary. Everyone looking at his own discipline, tackle a problem, and somebody got to try to stitch it all together. And you have a disconnection. Uh, some people think that interdisciplinary is taking one deep discipline and another one deeply, and then combine together because there's a lot of synergies and interactions there. And hey, that's interdisciplinary. Take, for example, chemistry and biology, or biology and medicine, and you end up with biochemistry, or you end up with uh, biomedical engineering. To me, that's not. That's not? No. To me, you're just forming another discipline. In fact, if you form a new discipline by combining two, your chances are you're going to elevate it. And you draw the students who think that they can do it, and it's a challenge, and you draw the best students. That's what will happen, because there's an emphasis on it. Do the rest of the students get this? No. You're only catering to a small group of people my view is interdisciplinary thinking must be given to every student. Okay. Right? It's right, every right. student to different degrees. Some will be able to handle it better, some won't. But if everyone goes out respecting the other professional viewpoints, being able to see the problem in multi-dimensions, being able to accept solutions that will give him problems for his own solution, but then work it out, if everyone, if every graduate does that, can you just imagine how the whole economy, the whole problem-solving scenario will change? So this will also point towards the fact that we are trying to make SUSS a fully applied university. Yes. yes. So on that, if that's the case, can we say that we are also doing a social good for uh, the university itself, informed as an applied social science university? When you talk about social good, there are many dimensions. At the heart of it is society. People is at the heart of it. all the professions when you look at it. In the end, it's all about the people they serve. 
First of all, SUSS in doing social good already without even talking about applied social research and so on. We are doing a social good in the sense that there are lots of people out there who have abilities, who have been successful, but who didn't get a degree and therefore there's a glass ceiling maybe in their career advancement and they cannot take home as much pay as they could have. Then they come in and they get a degree and we do our best with them. And when they go out, they find that they can advance in their career. Now that's social good because it releases opportunities that have been denied. And you again get a whole lot more people who achieve their aspirations. That's social good, isn't it? And also you're releasing a lot more people who did not have that learning and the deep disciplinary skills to contribute. But I think when you talk about social good more generally, I would say as a University of Social Sciences, we want to put people in the centre of all that we do, society in the centre. So when we do applied education and applied research, how does the way you have been trained, how does it actually help the society outside? When you are making decisions as a professional, do you think about the ramifications of your decisions? Or is it only about, if I make this decision, my career will advance? Or if I make another decision, the company will make a little bit more money? We want to put into our students the thinking that yes, it will make a bit more money for my company, but does it do good for the people who are going to buy the products? For example, you get a toy that's made or something for the children and it's wonderful. And then if you're a techie, you will make all sorts of wonderful things for that toy. Or if you're a marketer, you want to send out and do as best marketing as possible to sell. But actually, it might have been an addictive toy. Mm. So you got to think as a marketer, so if will I do or won't I do? You're listening to SUSS Podcast. You may find the next part of this episode on suss.edu.sg slash podcast or on your preferred podcast listening platform.